Hi, I'm Jen. And I'm Jen. Welcome to Marginalia Pod, where we treat reading as a sacred practice and find meaning and connections through our favourite books. I would like to begin by acknowledging the Garingai and Daru people, traditional custodians of the land where I am recording today, and pay my respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. I'd also like to acknowledge Mana Whenua of Te Awakairangikitai, where I'm recording today. Hello! Hi! Happy midweek! Happy midweek, and what a glorious day it is here. I don't know about over there. It is now looking a bit cloudy, but we have had some really nice sunny days, so I cannot complain. Nice. And it was cold enough that I could go for a run this morning, even though I am slug lady, and I'm only able to get about three Ks without wanting to, like, fall over and curl up in a ball. I still went. That's amazing. Going is the hard thing. Yeah, I just decided that even if I only go three Ks, it's still better than being like, mm, I'm too tired. Yeah. And I'm not, probably not too tired to do three Ks. We'll get back up to five when I'm feeling less sluggy. Got to set achievable goals. Exactly. And doing something is better than doing nothing. That's true. It's the worst. It is true. It truly is the worst. <laughs> like, so much of adulting is just like, fine, I'll do the thing. Ugh, I hate it. <laughs> exactly. Mm. What sparked joy for you this week? Ah, I am gainfully employed. Kind of, sort of, mostly. Big whoop. I have an email at a company where I am working, and I have begun communicating with the people at that company to do work for them, which is very exciting. So amazing. Congratulations. Thanks. I can do it from home most of the time, which is great, and it's really flexible, and also I am doing what I like to do best, which is, like, help people out when they're stuck. Yeah. That is the thing that I'm doing. Like, someone needs help, and I'm, like... Let me do it let me do it so yeah that's good i'm exciting scared to death but looking forward to it um how about you what sparked joy for you this week i'm legit trying to remember what happened this week and i can't can't recall but i did make some cold brew mm. which i'm currently drinking and i got a tube of condensed milk so i've been putting a little bit of condensed milk in it and it is so good yum i should say that at my local cafe olivia who is great Shout out if you listen. I don't think you do, but you're great, <laughs> Olivia. We love you. She has talked me into iced coffees two days this week, and they have been delightful. So in Australia, do they do this in New Zealand as well? You get ice cream in your iced coffee? Yeah, they do that, yeah. It's like milk, ice cream, coffee. It's or cream. But um, I don't like... Mm, see, I don't like either of those things in my coffee. You're not a milk... You're not a big milky person. Nah, and I don't yeah. like ice cream and drinks. Like, you know when people do spiders and things? I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> But Dr. Pepper ice cream floats are so good. Yum. I know. No. I know. Look, I have very particular tastes. I really love Dr. Pepper. Um, I think it's only improved by ice cream. Fair enough. I feel like I'm really missing <laughs> out because I don't enjoy it. But yeah. It really only works with like root beer and Dr. Pepper. I think other drinks, like I wouldn't put it in Coke. I wouldn't put ice cream in Coke. Cream soda was a big one when I was growing up. Yeah, like cream soda or creaming soda. Yeah, cream soda. It was called, but it was basically just creaming soda. It was yeah, green. Oh my gosh, yeah, no. So the cream soda in the US is brown and it's different. It's like vanilla. Mm. It's like a vanilla soda and it is so good. It's very different to creaming soda here. Like I've had Kirk's creaming soda and have not. It's not the same. <laughs> so it's funny. It's not bad. It's just not the same. Cracks me up how some things are just different in different countries. They call the same mm. thing, but they just... I just wonder how we all arrived at these names for things, but they're clearly different. For real. We were, I was talking about this in my chaplaincy class yesterday. I was saying tomato is the obvious one. I just say tomato now because everyone else says it. Yeah. You just adopt what 
the environment forces you to adopt. Yeah, exactly. Just like your, what was it, Meredith laughed when you said yes. Yes. Yeah, that's yes. the most Kiwi word I know is when I say yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Um, and then there are some words where I just sound very South African still, apparently, I've been told. I don't know. And then, like, sometimes I say my vowels long and sometimes I won't. It just depends how I'm feeling on the day. Sometimes it's dance, sometimes it's dance. It just depends. Am I feeling posh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do that a lot. Like, with my son, I always say can't. Mm. My daughter, it's can't. Because she says can't. And my son is like, I can't. So I'm like, oh, why can't you? <laughs> like, I just imitate them. <laughs> Who knows? Who Two completely different accents for two completely different children, but they have the same two parents. It's bizarre. Amazing. So funny. <laughs> Language is so great. It is great. Well, this week we're reading chapters 27 to 33 through the theme of bravery. Big thing. Did you have a story mm. for us? I do. So I, I want to talk a little bit about what bravery means to me as a like thing that I have to deal with all of the time. Because I'm actually quite a little hermit crab. Hmm. Like, I talk a big game, I think. Like, oh, yeah, go out and do the thing. Have adventures. But, like, nine times out of ten, you're going to find me at home, tucked up in bed, scrolling my phone, wearing pajamas, because that is my happy (laughs) place. And I love to be there. And so it's really hard for me to, I don't know, like, put myself out there. Mm -hmm. I'm great where I am with people that I know. But, and, and like, I've got a lot of scripts, right, so that I can Mm kind of get through social situations that I'm unsure of. Mm -hmm. Um. I'm actually, one of the things I'm really looking forward to about starting work is that I'll have something to talk about that's not just my kids, because there are people out there in the world who don't have kids and are kind of like, why are you talking about these uh, tiny offsiders? Um, But, like, it's fine, but, like, it it gives me a broader thing to talk about. Um, More more social scripts, right? So the bravery that I struggle with daily is, like, going out and doing the thing. And that is just anything that's new or unusual or is going to put me in a place where I don't already have, like, the navigation started. I don't know the parking situation for it. That's where I have to be brave. Um, And I have kind of gotten my head around this by, I don't want to say it's like a life hack, but I just have to remember every time I don't regret doing the thing, but I always regret it if I give up on the opportunity. Hmm. And so that's something that's been really, like, playing in my head, especially lately. Like, the idea of putting myself out there to get a job was like, (laughs) I would never do that. Mm -hmm. I really like being a full-time parent. But then it was like, but I could help someone and maybe it wouldn't be terrible. And as you know, I, like, got to – I asked Mero to, to get you know, like, what the scope of it would be because I would be doing similar things as things that she's done in the past. And she was so confident. She was like, of course you can do this. And, like, her confidence gave me some bravery to actually say, yeah, okay, I think I could do this. But I still had to, like, kind of figure out the parking situation. So I think for myself, I really need to focus on, like, just going out there and trying and reminding myself always that, like, I don't regret putting my hand up to answer the question. I don't regret, like, putting myself out there to learn a new skill. But I will, like, I'm not going to lay on my deathbed and be like, oh, I wish I hadn't tried that thing. I would be way more likely to lay on my deathbed and be like, oh, why did I stay at home in my pajamas so much? Yeah. No, actually, probably I wouldn't regret that. I really love my pajamas. But yeah, so my point is bravery, making myself go out there and try new things. It is really hard for me. I really like my little comfort zones. I'm a human who enjoys homeostasis and um, getting myself out of that is part of my goal this year. So yeah, going to try and be brave. Oh, I'm proud of you. It's hard. What's that thing that's like you regret 100% of the choices you don't take or something like that? Like the chances you don't take? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And, like, some things you just have to leap and the net will appear. 
Yeah, maybe sometimes in the, I think for me, sometimes it doesn't feel like it's working out or you don't think it's going the way that you want to. And then later you look back at it and you're like, oh, actually, that was probably really good that it went that way because I learned a lot yeah. from it or it helped me grow yeah. in a certain way. And yes, it was uncomfortable, but that's where growth happens as well. So, yeah, yeah. I pretty much just just decided if there's an opportunity for me to learn, like if I'm in a place where I'm able to learn and can I can be curious, then I'm good. Because that gives me my focus. You can absolutely do it. I have not a single shred of doubt that you can do this. (laughs) Yeah, it was very fun to set my computer up. So we're doing stuff. It's very exciting. Are you working every day or is it like a couple of days a week or is it just a couple of hours a day? Like what's the split? Yeah, so at this point I'm starting to like communicate with the other people who do a lot of those tasks and I'm going to take them over. Right easing into it but it will be flexible and it'll probably be like pretty low-key until next year um and I've had to start negotiating with my son about going into after school care and he's like but why and I'm like well because I'll be working and he's like but why (laughs) okay that's a good question but can you just get your head around maybe two days a week you are in after school care Mm, yeah but why (laughs) so negotiations ongoing (laughs) good to start it early yeah, I like lot, lots of preparation time. You'll have fun, I promise. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> okay, thanks, buddy. <laughs> Cute. Um, would you like to do our chapter summaries for us? Sure thing. So this week, Gansey is waiting for Blue at the urgent care when Ronan and Adam turn up post-Cave's water misadventure. Gansey comes clean about his and Blue's relationship. Meanwhile, in DC, Declan gets a call, call from an old friend of Niles to let him know the wolves are convening on Henrietta. Declan takes himself to Henrietta, and he and Ronan have a heart-to-heart, kind of. Ronan elects to stay in Henrietta, but asks Declan to take Matthew to DC to keep him safe. Henry, meanwhile, convinces Gansey to climb into a hole in the basement of a building and puts a robotic bee in his hand. It's a test of metal that Gansey passes. The rituals are intricate. Henry also has fun play-acting an Aglanby jerk with Blue. Adam is coming to terms with wanting to be closer to Ronan than just friends, possibly, maybe. And Adam and Ronan kiss, so yay. Yay! The kiss, the kiss happens. The storm drenchingly encompassing kiss. I kind of, I just love that description so much because it's just such a great summation of what has been happening for Adam. Like he's been seeing it. He's been noting Ronan's feelings. He's been watching this development. He's sort of played into it, but he's still not like 100% sure of what's going on or how he feels about life, not just about Ronan, right? And so he just stands there and lets the rain drench him. I love it. I love it so much. And I love that he, like, they all go to the barns because Ronan has, like, called them, which never happens. Um, And that they all basically dropped everything and went. And then he's there and he's, like, so out of sorts. There's no dialogue, really. It's just all of his impressions. He feels kind of drunk. And then there's this moment where he's like, I I can't imagine belonging to a place like this. And maybe someday I could. And I'm like, you really could. It could be your home forever, Adam. Just let it. Like, he's opening himself up so much to this idea, and it's just so brave of him. I love how that whole chapter, Adam's chapter, feels like a dream. It's like he's in a dream, yes. and he talks about how he discovered caves water, and he's in Ronan's dreams, and he's, like, in all these things. And it's it's this real submersion into this life mm-hmm. that he could have if he just lets himself, you know? I have a playlist that has a similar vibe to it. I got it oh it's like someone else's post on spotify but it's called making out making out at a house party or something and it feels exactly the way that like a montage in a movie would feel after like hours or minutes or whatever of build up between two people and then they finally kiss and you're like this is it this is the feeling 
And it's similarly dreamlike. And I think that that really calls to mind, like the way that Adam is like moving through the space, like he's aware of it. He hears Matthew say something and Ronan laugh genuinely. And it's just, there's something about the way that he is existing in the space, very conscious of himself and his place in it, but he feels like untethered from reality. And I love that line. Oh, where is it? I wrote it down, I think. Did I write it down? Maybe I didn't. Yeah, page 240. He felt drunk. Everything in this house felt so certain of its identity, so sure of its place, so certain it was mm. wanted. Because this is what it comes down to for Adam time and time yeah. again. Like, even when he has that painful memory that he's remembering, you know, when he had bought that car for himself as a 10-year-old or whatever it was, and it's, you know, so brave of him as well to lean into that. It's, it takes such bravery to confront these versions of ourselves yeah. from the past, these memories, and to not allow them to rule you. Like, he has made a conscious choice to step away from that. Like, he talks about moving himself out of the trailer, like, like mentally. Yeah. And that takes so much bravery. And for him, he's never felt wanted. He's never felt loved. And now he's starting to allow himself. And he's surrounded in this house where everything is loved and everyone can be who they are and are loved for who they are. Yes. And every every room he goes into is another reminder of that, and it hurts, but he also wants it. Yeah, because it, it, it's hard to make yourself be vulnerable. It's hard to make yourself known to have that love. And especially with Adam, he just didn't have that foundational love. He it doesn't, just wasn't yeah. there. He doesn't know how to recognize it, which is partly why he was always at odds with Gansey, right? Because he didn't see Gansey's affection and love for what it was. Yeah, 100%. I found it really interesting. The other side of that coin is when, you know, he's trying to reckon with Gansey finally saying, Blue and I are seeing each mm-hmm. other and we don't want any hurt feelings, but I can't be a hypocrite about it, which is a whole other bravery on Gansey's part that we'll get to. Um, but I love it on page 91. He didn't really think, 191, he didn't really think Gansey would say, I told you so, but Adam would know that he had always been within his rights to do so, which would which was worse. Adam had always been the most negative voice in his own head. Like his awareness of this and the fact that he's like, okay, I can I can get my head around this. I can accept that this thing is happening. I can realize how uncomfortable it is that they have to ask me for permission and I am my own worst enemy here. It's so wonderfully self-aware and I'm just really loving this journey for Adam. Oh, it's so good. I love all the self-awareness in this section. Like, even Blue, which is like, okay, maybe I have to acknowledge the fact that I'm a bit of a hypocrite. And am I okay with being a hypocrite? And Gansey has to be like, yeah, I'm a hypocrite. Everyone's like, yeah. And even Ronan, in a way. Ronan is so interesting because he says the truth, but he says it in a way that no one really believes him. Like, when he tells Declan that he wants to be a farmer, and Declan's like, oh, can you just be serious for once? But he is being serious. Yeah, he can't actually say it in a way. I think that, like, that's as close as he's gotten, though. Like, don't you feel like this is the first time that he's really acknowledged that this is the thing he wants to do? Not the thing he doesn't want to do, but this is what he wants to do, which is a completely separate conversation. It's accepting as well, I think, that he can have a future, right? Because the Ronan from previous books didn't really think that he had a future that the future wasn't something for him like he talks about yeah. how he is when he's thinking about Aglenby, how he's a species that gets stuff like that doesn't survive captivity right yeah he just doesn't want to be confined into these expectations like and it's Declan like Gansey the idea that he has to go to to a college like why why would you send this supernatural creature to a college like he doesn't need to go and you your family is so insanely wealthy Declan he doesn't yeah. need to work yeah, they're fine, which I think is great. Um, yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, I'm glad that I've given up on trying to uh, My Fair Lady Ronan. It's not going to happen. Um, Let him be good. a That's farmer. He me. just wants to be a farmer, okay? We need those two. 
but see, this is the thing I think I get. Like, I think I get it now because he has something he actually wants. Whereas if you don't have anything you want, like that you actually want to do, I feel like, yeah, education is never a bad idea. But like he's saying now that he actually has something he does want to do. And like he has a very specific list. And so I'm like, oh, well, that makes sense. I get that. I understand that completely. And I think Declan just needs the same information. And actually, so does Gansey. I think a lot of kids, though, who don't want to be in schoolhood and who do want to drop out early, who get shamed for it, which people still do. People still force kids to stay in school long past the point of any usefulness to those children because they're not given the opportunity to want things or they're they're taught a shame for those things that they want. Like if you're a kid and you're like, yeah, I really want to do this thing, but everyone's told you all along that what you have to do is go to university and get a real job, then you're never going to be honest about what you actually want because you feel such innate shame over that already. Like the fact that you have want to drop out at 16 and, you know, people just have such inbuilt biases towards that, which I think is really unhelpful because school is not for everyone yeah. and school is not the be all and end all of the world. Like, Yeah, there yeah. are different ways of learning, too, which I think is really important. There needs to be more. <clears throat> I mean, this is a whole other side conversation, but there needs to be a better educational system that will allow for those differences. Yeah, and that isn't um, just testing based because, like, for me, I'm a great mimic. I can test all day, every day. You give me half an hour to learn something, I will test out of whatever you want. But that doesn't mean I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm the opposite. I do test well, but I do much better if I have a long time to learn something and, like, do it a lot. And then I'm, it's locked in. But it takes me a really long time. I'm very frustrating for people because I look very book smart on paper, but then you get to me and I'm like, what? Huh? What? <laughs> it takes me forever. But yeah, I'm, I I want Ferone and the things that he wants. And I want, I, I love that Declan is like grudgingly going with this because he's just trying to do the right thing. Um, and I think he's being very brave, like mm. giving ground here because he doesn't have any other, like he has been the parent, even when their parents were alive, he was the parent. He was doing the parenting of them. I find that conversation between him and Ronan in the car so sad. Like, I made so many sad faces in the the margins because it just sums up to me the way that Ronan really never understood what Declan was doing and how it was working. Like, when he says to him, what did you think Dad did everything on his own? And Ronan was like, well, yeah, because Ronan would have been too young to really see it. Yeah. And Uh, to some extent, it was all about protecting Ronan, right? He was always the favorite and he was the dream and the dreamer. Which is, you know, we know that from the the Dreamer trilogy. But Declan has always been kind of like responsible for keeping him safe, mm. and and responsible for making sure that their life was what it was. Like he has older sister energy so hard in this section, like having to make all these difficult decisions and having to be the jerk, and also like knowing exactly the right emotional buttons to push. And then, yeah, when when he tells that story, you know, Niall told him about how to make sure that Ronan was the hero and not the spear I think is so interesting and then Adam has that observation where he's like he's never seen Ronan and Declan in a room where they weren't fighting but it's because they've got a common goal for the first time probably they're not working against each other they're working for each other yeah to keep Matthew safe yeah and this is great like I love that sometimes it's it's finding the third thing that you can all agree on this is when I'm having conversations with difficult people that is my goal is to find the thing that we can talk about that isn't the problem like, what is the third thing? Whenever things start to get into dangerous territory, I'm like, okay, bring it back to what the safe third thing that we can both agree on is so that we can discuss it rationally. Because there are some people you will have to talk to that are just never going to see eye to eye with you. But they can agree, Declan and Ronan can agree, that it's about protecting Matthew and that 
if Ronan is going to stay, he's going to bear the responsibility for that, but Matthew can't be part of it. And mm. I was like, that's that's fine. Declan's like, you're old enough now. I have to let go of this. I don't want to, but I have to. But yeah, I love that this is a send-off for Matthew, and I love that it's just the Ronan, like, it's just the Lynch brothers. It's I love them. It's just a brave and wonderful thing, and it's a party, and Adam's there, and Blue's there, and Gansy's there, and yeah. <sighs> I want to talk a little bit about our mate Henry. Because I yes. love him in this section. He is I, just so great. This is this is the moment of conversion, right? This is where you're like, we needed him the whole time. I think he's very brave to like come out with his confidences to Gansey. And he's just really trying to forge a connection with these confidences, right? Like he's using yeah, it as a means absolutely. to get in. But I also love that Henry has just spent this entire time knowing everything. I love this idea. Like, this is something that always fascinates me about fantasy novels, anything set in a high school, where it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you've got the core group, like the golden trio, but you have these other people just vibing and living their lives, and they all know that this drama is happening, but they're choosing not to engage. And I love that. And I love (laughs) that Henry's like, yeah, I know all about your magical friends. It's not just you. Yeah, just running around with a fawn in the back of your car. It's cool. Just, you know, magical roof tiles not falling on Adam it's fine um he does he does say these things to Gansey but then he doesn't make Gansey give up his secrets and he tells his own secret instead which I thought was really brave that was the real mark of like okay I see where we're going with this and you're gonna need a little bit more from me like he kept giving Gansey more and more and more so that they could actually connect and communicate which I really love I feel like that's a beautiful way to start a friendship is to be like hey I'm being vulnerable can you meet me where I'm at also, I just love how intricate Niall's dreaming is, that he has dreamt up these bees that respond to your thoughts, but you need an app on your phone. Like, it's just so <laughs> unnecessarily convoluted, and it's just so detailed. Yeah. And I love that Henry's dad is just spending his days tearing out his hair, trying to replicate this thing. Mm-hmm. Great. Because he can't. It. It's, not, it's not a real thing. It's a dream thing. I also like the point that Gansey makes where he he feels this instant, like, connection kinship with henry and he realizes that part of it is that no one has ever come looking for him Mm -hmm. like he has always been the one to do the looking and the finding and it's sweet that gansy's being courted like this like i know that like i made a joke about the ritual rituals are intricate when i wrote the summary but it really is kind of like this like real test of metal for both of them that henry puts himself in this hole similar to the one that he was held when he was kidnapped as a child and then he puts gansy's traumatic thing into Gansey's hand a bee and he's like trying to coach him through like this could be good this could be beautiful but you have to be brave to get there and they make this connection through this like shared drama yeah and wild. you know Gansey says to be known like he feels triply known doubly known you know he has this whole thing about feeling really known and really seen and mm. he didn't think any- Henry needed anything from him and he didn't know how to behave because this was you know they were yeah. they're equals in this world really there's no script for it there's no Whoop whoop, Gansey boy. And then Henry goes to Blue as well, and he's so funny in that section when he's saying oh, to the kids, Don't worry, I'll establish it. a minimum wage for you. It just cracks <laughs> me up. Like, that is amazing. <laughs> he's so condescending, but he's also so likable. Do you know what I mean? Like, I would not be able to help liking Henry. Yeah. I would just adore him. And I love when Blue is just. She feels so out of place waiting in line in that foot, you know, at school. And she's just like, mm. feels a thousand years old. And she wants to be with her friends who are also a thousand years old. And like, and also condescending brats. That's yeah. And it's, there's nothing more lonely, I think, that when you are around people who are supposed to be your peers and you feel like you don't fit in because you're like, 
this is supposed to be like she says you know i could have been friends with henry my whole teen years of my life was just a little bit different like this is the teen experience she could have had but instead she felt out of place her entire teen years and like this is how i felt when i went to university where i had spent my entire high school career dreaming of going to uni because i thought i'd finally be around people who understood me and where Mm. i could be like who i wanted to be and then i got to uni and it was nothing like that and i was just like when will i find my thousand year old people to hang out with you know yeah, uh, your 20s and 30s, it turns out. That's when you really start digging in. Uni's like another beginning. I feel like kids are lied to about this, though. Like, high school is the best day of your life. I just don't think you're going to find your people necessarily in high school. You're not even a fully formed person yet. No, no. High school is like 100% the, the, the time that you spend. I think it needs to be reframed in society. As high school is the time that you spend trying everything that you can possibly fit in while you don't have bills. Mm. This is what this is what I want for my kids. I talk about this all the time. My daughter was like, I don't want to do badminton and tennis. And like, well, maybe I'll just do badminton, but it's at 6.45 in the morning. And I'm like, well, get up. I'll drive you. You should try it if you want to try it. Like, do all the things because now is the time, you know? And I think that Henry really represents the opportunities that Blue never got. But she also values him as a person. And so it's bittersweet, right? Because she's standing there like never going to get to go to Venezuela this is not going to happen like the magic of that night was in the possibility that she and Gansey actually could be something that she could do something that they were opportunities but she just knows in the, like the cold light of day she can't which is why she feels a thousand years old it does interest me that she's like oh well it's never I'm never going to go I'm, ne- I'm just going to watch them all mm. leave like I'm just I'm a deflating balloon like all these things I'm like why do you feel this way there's no reason why you can't leave the town that you live in because she doesn't want student debt and um yeah but that's a choice you know that's true but it's 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 hard to get out of debt like it's hard to get scholarships it's hard to do all of that but again you've devoted you've gone to uni as the get out of jail card there she could just leave yeah she could just catch a midnight train going anywhere (laughs) she could (laughs) i actually really love it when you get um coming of age stories where that doesn't happen there was a katie coutinho book i can't remember which one where the protagonist had had a baby in high school and so like all the plans of like yale or whatever were gone i'm very lorelei gilmore but not and in the end like i don't think it's spoiling it to say that at the end she actually does do what she wants to do which is she goes she takes her kid and she does the cheap hotel traveling around while her kid is still little and they just drive around the country and like she does her travel blogging and it's just something that she's wanted to do and like it's what she can do it's within the scope of her ability and it's really great that there are options like that for people but it really is hard when you only have one way to do it and blue has already decided for herself right she's already said i don't remember if it was last week or the week before but there was a part where she was like well the only way that i'm going to get through to get to go to all these places and make a change in the world as if I have an education. Mm. So that's her, that's her way out. That's what she sees. It's similar to Adam. Like they have a really similar viewpoint on how they're going to get out. I love that Gansey talks about Adam going to school. He'd go to school, even if he was like in Godzilla's jaws, because he's just so set on his plan. (laughs) Clinging to his Ivy league dreams, even as Godzilla lifted him up. Yeah. (laughs) That is very Adam too. And it, it, I really, at some point, we really should visit the, the Dreamer trilogy and, and look back on that in reflection with this, because I, or in comparison with this, because I want to see how much Adam evolves through that, too, because he has a huge transformation again. Yeah, I was really thinking of that when I was reading that chapter from him 
knowing what happens. And I'm just like, man, it's so funny how when you have these tough situations, how you become like, and I think of Adam as very avoidant as well, because he's just, yeah, just of his behavior. Like, so when things get hard, his, his instinct, like mine is to run away, just be like, I'm going to dissolve. I'm going to absolve myself from the situation. I don't want a part of it. Time out, you know? Yeah, that's fair. I'm also that way. I had therapy this morning as well, so I we were talking about some of my more maladaptive coping mechanisms, and I said, well, I've just learned to like ghost everything when I'm having a hard time until I feel like I can actually deal with it. But that's mostly so I don't get angry. And she was like, I think that that might be okay to avoid. <laughs> like, it's like not having a meltdown, but like yeah. just kind of being like, okay, I'm not here right now. I am not in my body. I am somewhere else. I'm going to go read a book until I feel like a human again, <laughs> not like a pile of molten lava. But yeah, Adam is very avoidant. You are correct. Um, he's he's trying so hard to hold on to the comfort of his existence, which is no longer violent and perilous, and to the the sure path of his dream that he's had for so long, which is like Ivy League, financial success, being able to swipe a card at a credit card at a grocery store without looking. Which I'm sorry to say, he will never not know his bank balance. He will never have that kind of wealth because mm. of who he is. He'll never actually be able to let go of knowing, you know, I've been comfortable for years and I still know, you know, how much is in my account because you get to a point where you have to, like, that's just a survival mechanism. And, and part of Adam's journey, I think, will be figuring out how to exist in the space that he is, the person that he is, but like also move forward and grow, but still be who he is. But I think there's also, that's part of growing up in a lot of ways. Like he formed this idea mm-hmm. of himself when he was younger, right? And I think we see him challenging this in the, the Dreamer trilogy, not to jump ahead, but I certainly had to go through that as well, where this you have this idea of who you are and what your life is going to look like. And you have these milestones and these things that you want to do. Yep. And then as life progresses, you realize that sometimes you get what you wanted and you realize they don't fit you. You're like, I'm not actually this person. I didn't, you know, and yeah. that's really, really confronting and really challenging. I think, and that's oh, what yes. I love in this section as well, where I really saw bravery is when they challenge who they think they are, like they're willing to examine themselves and I think that takes a lot of bravery yeah I was supposed to be a journalist that was the job I was going to do because it was writing that paid and I cannot like I love writing in a journalistic fashion I love research but I can't imagine having to do it for a job especially not this day and age yeah well I probably wouldn't even pay enough this day and age (laughs) oh it definitely doesn't but like yeah I mean I did do a job in media straight out of uni and I was like oh no no thank you no I will run away back to hospitality (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah where i know where i can deal with customers who are actually much nicer than corporate media types funnily enough yeah i i yeah yeah i have a lot of feelings about adam i'm really proud of his growth and i i love his awareness at the end where he's talking about ronan being the most difficult decision difficult version of all of the options that in the world i feel like that's a really beautiful way of putting it and i also love that he still wants to be with ronan he knows that ronan is the most difficult version of all of these options and he still picks him because that is something incredibly beautiful and very reassuring to me a person who has often been called difficult well that's what you want right you want someone who's going to accept you yeah and i think i think we're all difficult in different ways and i think the biggest mistake that happens is like and this is a sweeping generalization reckons from jen but i've seen this with my Mm. friends right like a lot of my friends will sort of become these wonderful versions of women when they're with men like when they start dating where they like never needy they don't need anything they don't have any wants of their own they're so unproblematic they're so easygoing they're so chill Mm. 
And then as soon as they start getting a bit more serious in the relationship and you start to set a little bit more boundaries, often there's like a disconnect that happens there and the relationship usually doesn't work out. And it's because you always pretended from the start that you were this version of yourself that you're not. And I think there's something to be said to just be difficult. Like Ronan is never not himself. So any person who accepts Ronan will accept the whole of him. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I'm thinking, for some reason, when you were describing that, when you were talking about that, it reminded me of Penny and Shep and the way that she was just, like, mean and spelled him and, like, was on a crime spree and, like, a vampire slayer. And Shep was just like, I love her. I love her. I will follow her to London for fun. Like, when you're yourself around people, when you're as much authentically as yourself around people as you can be, I mean, obviously, still be polite, please. But, like, you you are putting yourself out there in a way that other people can see you for who you are and go, hey, I like that, or mm, not for me. But there's no, like, that's okay. And I'm, I'm having to talk my daughter through this at the moment because she's at that really tender age where she's embarrassed when somebody does something, like, out of the ordinary. Mm. And because her younger brother is quite noisy and a bit, like, he doesn't have the social... Um, concerns that she does she's getting really embarrassed like people are going to judge me for his behavior and I'm like no if they do then they're wrong and they're not worth your time but she's 12 it's hard yeah so a little bit of bravery needed for that yeah it's hard to know but you should be yourself you should try and be yourself because anybody who needs a fiction to accept you is not somebody who is I don't know not that they're not, not worth getting to know they're just not for you not they're not for you not yeah. everyone is for everyone right and like if people are want you to be a certain version of yourself in order to be palatable they're not your people and that's okay yeah yeah and, and look is it fair i don't think it's fair either to have to like pretend to be someone you're not it's not fair to you and it's not fair to them no right? i agree yeah yeah be yourself be like ronan be grumpy be like adam be too observant be like ronan that is be like henry charming flip Henry <laughs> takes a boy into a priest hole to terrify him. Let's do some bonding over shared trauma. I love it. I'm here for it. Why is this the best? Why do I care about these rich boys and their childhood traumas? I'm just, I love it. <laughs> I'm just thinking of being a student at Mountain View High School. You're waiting for the bus and then this silver fisker turns up and this kid is just like yelling at Blue and then having this conversation and then not two minutes later there's a scene and then not two seconds later this loud muscle car rolls up and I'm, I would just be like what is happening right now I love that they do that little play acting though I really love that it it's so great because because Henry immediately cottons on to what's happening she's like I can't even look back there and he's like okay what does he say how about you give me the finger and withdraw with your principles and then you know she's like this isn't necessary but she could feel herself smiling and he goes life's a show and then you know he counted one with his middle finger then his face melted into exaggerated shop and blue shouted drop dead you bastard so it was all very theatrical and i just love it like they committed to the bit they're friends who do bits i'm here for it it's my favorite thing i would be henry in this scenario i'd be like yeah yeah yeah, let's do it let's do it i'm gonna do the whole thing (laughs) i love a bit i love a bit so much i have been bringing back bits for my husband, who's going through a bit of a rough time. He's having a hard time. So I'm like, we're going to do all the bits. It's going to be funny 24-7 in this house. But it's working. He is smiling more. Which reminds me, actually, of how great Ronan is at in the hospital scene at, like, breaking the tension. And Adam sees him doing it. Yeah. But he's, like, making cracking the jokes. And he's doing the things. And he, like, 
fist bumps blue because she's got stitches in her face. Like he's really good at mm-hmm. diffusing that tension and it's a skill that you wouldn't necessarily associate with Ronan, but here he is doing the most. He's a very sensitive boy. He feels all of the, the stuff around him. He just doesn't often opt into doing anything about it. Yeah. But here, these are the people that he cares about. Of course, he's going to do stuff to help them out. And I love that he does, he, he makes Blue feel better in a way that's like appropriate for her. Yeah. And also that when Gansey's like, okay, Blue is my girlfriend. We'd like, we're seeing each other. And then they hold hands and he's like, gross. <laughs> just like no one else would feel that way. But like he just has to say it in order to be a bit of a jerk, which is great. I love it. Here for it. It cracks me up how nervous Gansey is in that scene as well. Like he's really stealing himself to say it. And Adam's like, oh, he's finally going to do it before he's even said it. He's like, ha ha, he's going to say the thing. I'm like, Gansey thinks he's doing this big revelation and Adam already knows. Yeah. And Ronan just doesn't care. He's like, whatever. Yeah, it's completely irrelevant to Ronan, right? He's like, meh. Yeah, he's, yeah, because he isn't interested in Gansey and he's, like, nominally only interested in Blue because they're the same person, but different sizes. I guess the only reason he would care is, like, if Adam was going to freak out about it, but I think he's relatively confident in where they're at that he doesn't expect Adam to freak out about it. Yeah. How great is that bit where he's, like, in school, Ronan, he's in school and he's like, this day is going on forever. I am being, my time is being stolen. Um, this is useless. Everything is awful. And he's like slamming his locker. And then he says, do you have work later? And Adam says with the dreamer. And then it says the school day had improved. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Ronan, you were so transparent. I love it. I love how much he slams things just for the joy of it. Like he's slamming the lockers because he's so annoyed. And then he slams the car door when he gets back in after Declan lures him back in. Like that is peak gen behavior. I have 100% done that. Just pushing stuff, make noise, crashing stuff around to... This is why I had this conversation at work yesterday because we were talking about soft-closed drawers and I was saying how they're the worst things in the world and everyone's like, I love a soft-closed drawer. I'm like, but how are you (laughs) slamming them when you're angry? (laughs) There's nothing more frustrating than the impotent rage of trying to slam a drawer (laughs) that then soft-closes. Like, it's so frustrating. It makes me... takes my rage from, like, 80 to 120, like... I love soft closed doors because I am I don't like loud noises I don't like sharp loud banging noises um I have a really bad startle reflex so I love soft clothes but if I'm gonna like throw stuff around it's gonna be like like that I'm gonna pick stuff up and throw it like if I'm mad I'm gonna like move stuff angrily or like shuffle or like stomp a little bit so I think that's a very human urge when you're mad to kind of like I'm ticked off and you have to know about it but I can't get with you on cabinets. I've banged my fingers too many times to to ever. I'm like, make them the softest. Make them never close at all. This actually came about, and this <laughs> relates open. to what we were saying about self-awareness, I think, because mm. we have a colleague who recently started. He must only have been there maybe six weeks. And yeah. I've noticed that we've got lockers at work, and he always he never closes his properly. They're always, like, a little bit open. And, like, he was in the kitchen right. the other day, and he closed the kitchen, the cupboard, and it was, again, open a little bit. And then yesterday he left it wide open and I was saying to my friend Sophie, I'm going to say something. I'm going to ask him because I, in my head, I'm like, this must drive his wife insane because I bet he does this at home too. If he's doing it here, he's doing it at home. And I'm like, has no one ever said anything? Like, I just want to know. So I'm like, I'm going to say something. I'm going to say something. And Sophie was like, no, I think he's having a bad day. I'm like, no, I'm going to say something. So I'm like, um, question, like across the floor. Do you always leave cupboards open or is this just a thing that you do here? Like, I've just noticed. And he's like, oh, no, this is just today. I never normally do this. It's just like, I didn't, I forgot to close it properly. And I'm like, 
you've done this multiple times. I didn't say this, but in my head, yeah. I was like, it's interesting that you think this is the first time that you've done this. Right. Yeah, yeah. Not having that self-awareness. And he's like, it's because I don't want to make a lot of noise when I close things on the oh. floor. And that's why I didn't shut it properly. And I was like, mm, okay, I'll allow okay, it. So but if it happens again, I will point it out again. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry, I'll make the noise when I close your cabinet for you. Bang! Yeah, well, when someone walks into it, because it's exactly at head height. Oh my gosh. Yes, my kitchen has a couple cabinets like that, and I'm always like, (gasps) having to dodge out of the way. That's because my kitchen is the size of a bathroom, so please, (laughs) like, it's a bad kitchen. Someday, someday. Now that I'm working, maybe I can start saving for a renovation. Ooh, exciting. Yeah, post getting my super back. <laughs> let, let this be a lesson to you, women of the world. Please just work. And if you can, keep working. And if you're working and you have someone else who's paying your bills, which is fine, that's fine. A lot of people bill share. Put all your money into your superannuation as much as you can. So that you, need you can retire. Auntie Jen wants you to look after yourself. And that is one way you can by having a good super. Very true. Oh. Um, did I have any other brave... I talked about Declan a bit. Um, I, I, I thought it was particularly brave that he was willing to, like, give another story to Ronan. Mm-hmm. Like, he's he's been saving up these stories. And I, I did sort of frame it as, like, this is an emotional manipulation button he knows how to press. But I also think that when you are an older sibling and you have this responsibility of keeping the secrets of the family or whatever, knowing when to use those things, knowing when to deploy your knowledge, that is a really mm. strategic and very hard... Like, it's a very fine line. It's a tough needle to thread. So I was, I thought it was brave of him to, like, just try and communicate with Ronan. Like, he was trying so hard to actually communicate with him. Mm. Did you have any other... I think I've spoken about all of mine. Let me just double check. But covered all mine. Yeah, I think... Oh, we talked about Gansey being brave, like, in passing. But I think it was very brave of him to, like, say the thing he did about Blue. Yeah. And, like, to frame it in a way of, like, I can't ask you to be truthful if I'm not being truthful like he's like uh, do you have any tangential I love just like I said loved Henry already said how I laughed at his establish a minimum wage comment but another great comment is <laughs> when he's in the priest hole with Gansey and he says who here who here is English as a second language hint not you <laughs> love that I do love it I love that he acknowledges it I love that he acknowledges his otherness so openly it does make it easier doesn't it I love that Declan says on page 196, he'd learned that lies were only dangerous if you sometimes told the truth. Because I think this is this just sums up Ronan. Like, Ronan, you know, that is basically how he lives his life. Yeah. He is that dangerous yeah. because he only sometimes tells the truth. Most, like, he tries to, but often he can't be truthful. Yeah, he needs more help with articulating, I think. He's incredibly intelligent, but, like, getting the words out is as adam has observed that like most of ronan's communication is postural yeah yeah yeah. it's like gestural it's not through words but yeah that was a another tangential page 236 90 percent of how ronan conveyed his feelings was through his body language the phone simply didn't care i do love that and i love the line where he talks about adam's smile where he says ronan would start wars and burn cities for that true smile elastic and amiable like so lovely so yeah that was my tangential how about you um yes i love all of those um I love when Gansey first gets a hold of Robobee on page 211. It reminded him so strongly of one of Ronan's dream objects that it was hard to shake the idea that once it had occurred to him, gee, I wonder why. Um, 
And then I, I really love the bit on page 193 where Adam sees Blue and sees the damage that possessed Noah has done to Blue. And it, it just makes me go nuts, this line. Uh, he knew he cared about her because his stomach was tingling uncomfortably just looking at her wound and suggestions of suggestion of violence scratching through him like fingers on a chalkboard. Like he is so angry that someone has hurt her that he wants to hurt someone. Mm. And he tries so hard not to be that guy because he, he's left that. He's moved away from that. But he still feels it and he's like feeling it and dealing with it but it's lovely that he knows that he cares about blue because he wants to hurt somebody who hurt her like sometimes that's that's how you know that's how you know you care yeah that's a good yeah no and then i had another i didn't write it down but it's when declan is like tired he's just told ronan all this stuff and he looks you know he says he looks more like for, for a minute he looks more like the brother that ronan grew up with mm. and not the brother that ronan had grown away from and then like just a page before that or a page after or i think it was a page before ronan had said well why didn't you tell me all of this stuff about our dad and you know and he's thinking to himself ronan is he's thinking like i could have they weren't mutually exclusive i could have accepted this as part of who he was and so there's this nice neat symmetry here between Ronan looking at his brother and seeing like the brother that he grew up with and loved and mm. the brother that he like thought he had turned into but was actually like there all along yeah and also acknowledging that his dad contained multitudes as well I also marked those down like I love that and I love that Ronan's like well if you told us maybe we could have you know those information would have been useful for me because Adam and I had to run Green Mandel out of town all on our own and Declan's <laughs> like oh Parrish was always a creepy like you know he's just like so appreciative he's so proud he's like wow nice work that's some art yeah and i love the line because yeah it's page 227 ronan enjoyed a full minute of his mm. brother's appreciation so good if we ever do the dreamer trilogy like declan is just the mvp oh for sure what did i i put him down as being my sweet summer child my son my boy because <laughs> he's like really coming into he's just so tired it's relatable hard relate i really get it and he's very respectful on the phone too um it turns out it's Henry's mom, so they're having a little conversation. I thought that was a good little, uh, not like a lead-in, but it gave us the scene we needed for that, for the story. Like, we needed to know that Necklin has skin in, Declan has skin in the game. Yeah. Um, oh, and I think the last tangential I have is that I love that everyone thinks that Matthew is unchanging and ebullient, like a happy dream, and then in the next series we get him and he's like a moody teen. Oh, so poor Matthew. He can change. He can grow. He's just having, he's just a late bloomer for back chat and naughtiness <laughs> it's fine yeah he has not yet having his existential crisis we all have them at some point multiple times in fact i assume i mean i don't really maybe i do oh yeah that's right i forgot you don't have existential crises <laughs> yeah i'm jen i know who i am um did you have an index yeah i sure do so mine is from the section where henry has gone to find blue at the high school because it's great it. it's great um and they're having a conversation <sighs> anyway he's like they're having a chat and like blue's saying to him i thought it was venezuela because he's now saying we can stop there on the way to zimbabwe it's like a whole thing talking about what comes after <laughs> and on page 233 henry says graduation breathes on us redneck lady he said now is the time to make sure we have the strings to all the balloons we want to keep before they all float away and you very much get the sense that, you know, Henry is trying to forge these connections. He's trying to shore up his his situation yeah. before the end of the school year. Like, he knows 
he also senses this running out of time that Ganzi keeps talking about, right? But for him, it's more yeah, like yeah. school is ending, the rest of our lives are beginning. These are the cool people that I want to associate with. I think it relates to the theme of connection because as I said, he's forging these connections through the means that he has available, like this otherness that he's associated them with, like trying to yeah. bond with Ganzi through this shared fear and overcoming of things and this magical world they all inhabit. And also bravery, because I think it takes a lot, as we've already discussed to put yourself out there like this, like to be, I'm going to go and put myself in front of people and he's putting himself up for rejection and he doesn't allow that to stop him from living his life. Yeah, yeah. What it reminded me of is Teen Wolf. So as you know, my housemate and I very recently watched all of Teen Wolf and in season five, I think it is the first half of season five, maybe the whole season five. I can't remember if they split in two. But anyway, Styles has this whole thing about he's incredibly anxious about school ending and the fact that they're all going to move into different parts of their lives. And how are they going to stay connected? Because he talks to his dad and his dad's not in contact with any of his schoolmates anymore. And so he has this real fear that he's going to lose this this pack because they are essentially a pack yeah. that he has. And Styles isn't a magical person. Like he's not a werewolf. He doesn't have magic. He's just this ordinary guy who's incredibly smart and makes all the connections, but he doesn't himself mm. have this supernatural tie. Yeah, so there's a lot of fear about not having anything in common with people anymore and drifting apart. But what's mm. interesting in season five is that the more Styles tries to protect his friendships and to like shore up these relationships, the more he pushes other people away because there's a new character introduced that sort of becomes like a foil, I guess, that interjects into this relationship that he has with his best mate Scott. Yeah. And then they have this falling out and then like everyone is sort of at odds and the whole friend group is sort of fracturing even before Aww. they've left school. Right. And I think it just reminds me of sometimes the more, the tighter you try to hold on to people, the more you might be breaking things because people feel suffocated or you need to allow yeah. room for things to grow. And just because things don't look exactly the same as they did doesn't necessarily mean that they're not as important or they don't matter anymore. Mm -hmm. And I certainly felt that, you know, I remember when high school ended, people were very emotional and they would like be clinging to each other, being like, I'll never forget you. And it'd be like, but we aren't even friends now. I don't understand why you're behaving this way. Like we are never going to see each other again sure maybe on facebook but there's just some people you're just never going to see again but the people who matter and the connections that you make they will stay with you and they might just not look the same they might take a different format yeah. and that's okay so going forward i think it's just important to allow for growth and to make sure that like henry said have all the strings to all the balloons you want to keep but make sure that you are not trying to keep them and freeze them in amber and like keep it in a certain way there has to be development there so yeah allow people yeah. to grow and they'll grow with you hopefully that is great and yeah you really can't freeze anything in amber it does not work because then you get jurassic park and we don't <laughs> want jurassic park no that was not a good time not a good time for anyone um okay what about you did you have an in-depth i do it's another henry one it's when henry and gansey are testing metal in, in the priest <laughs> hole he's kind of got Gansey like cornered and he's put Robobee, what we know as Robobee, into Gansey's hand. And Gansey's like trying not to have a panic attack. Mm -hmm. So on page 210, Henry says, if you cannot be unafraid, be afraid and happy. Think of your child bride, Gansey, and the times we had last night. Think about what you are afraid of. That weight that tells you it is a bee. Does it have to be something that kills you? No, it is just a little thing. 
It could be anything. It could be something beautiful instead. So I think that Henry here is asking to, he's, he's making a bid, right? Like he's asking Gansey for a connection, but he also knows that he has to ask Gansey to be brave. Mm. And this is the test of metal. Like the test of metal is following Henry, trusting Henry, going into the hole with Henry, allowing Henry to say, I know you in this way, and then confronting Gansey with something that is actually terrifying. But he has to kind of get Gansey to be okay with that in order to know that he's worthy of Henry's own secrets, which he then, you know, is open about. He tells Gansey, look, my mom asked me to keep an eye on you and like I'm telling you that now so that if we're friends it's not something that comes up later like he he says these secrets and he says these things have festered for years and I've been trying to get your number for years Mm. but I just really love that he frames it that way like it could be something beautiful instead and it it is really literal literal to the text that this thing is a bee which is what could kill Gansey but it is also the thing that has saved Henry and has made Henry Henry's life possible so I think what it reminds me you know as I as I said earlier I have this conversation with myself a lot like I do like to be comfortable I like things to be predictable and secure and I love the grooves of a well-worn routine but I do have to be brave I have to remind myself often that like what if it's beautiful Mm. and this attitude of curiosity and also like confronting the worst parts of yourself or the worst fears that you have in order to get to a deeper understanding is really important and it's hard and I think that like at going forward being brave is hard we should remember that it's hard but we should never stop trying to be brave So hold on to that magical robotic dream bee and remember that it's just a little critter and isn't it lovely and um, try your best not to have a panic attack, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, if bravery was easy, it wouldn't be bravery, would it? Yeah, it would just be like, yeah, I can do this. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, your tummy should hurt a little bit sometimes and that's okay. You know what I mean? Like it should hurt a little bit sometimes. Hmm. (sighs) So who would you like to spotlight this week? Well, I was tossing up between two people, but I think I'm going to spotlight Declan because that conversation he has with Rodan in the car is really, really difficult, I think. It's really, they're both very vulnerable in that moment in a way that I don't think they've necessarily been. They're very, like, truthful. And Declan, as he says, he's just so tired. And I'm actually really proud of him for just going down there and getting it done and, like, picking up Matthew. And he's just, like, getting going through the motions, being the parent, I guess. But I sort of also want to spotlight Ronan for that as well, for being receptive and being open to that yeah um for both of them just doing that and like knowing that this is a signals a change a fundamental change in how they're living their lives like Matthew is going with Declan like this is a real shift he's trusting Ronan to live his life it's a a real moment of it's a graduation in their relationship so I just wanted to spotlight them for that how about you my boys are growing Mm. um I'm gonna spotlight Henry because I love Henry I love that Henry is honest about the hard things but he's not ever putting the onus of the emotional work on other people so he like tells Gansey all of these secrets but he tells them in a way that's like this is not an obligation for you to fix it um which is great and that's the, like the kind of depth I'd like to get to I mean often when I speak about certain things you know I used to kind of say something really flip and then I'd look around and people would be like oh my gosh <laughs> like oh wow okay so I just missed the tone on that you say things that happen to you in your life and you like you can't judge or whatever but Henry's got a real ease about him that I really admire and I also love that he's able to like move that into being vulnerable Hmm. It's just really great. And also, like, he just needs a hug. He shouldn't... Oh, my gosh. He was kidnapped as a child. That is horrifying. But, yeah. So, Henry. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Do you have any homework for our readers? Do I have homework? Um, Well, not really. I guess 1989, Taylor's version, came out this week. So, if you haven't listened to that yet, it's quite good. It's got a couple of really great vault tracks on it. Absolute bangers on there. Like, two. At least two. Actually, certifiable bangers. It's kind of insane that they've just been in a vault for 12 years. Um, But such is the power of Taylor Swift. So, here we are. I'm excited to listen to Taylor's version of 1989. 
Good. It's a good, some good bangers on there. Yeah. So did you have homework for our listeners? Yeah. So this week I've been reminded of what a great artist Lucy Liu is. Um, I had seen some of her art before, but, you know, something crossed my dash and I did a bit of a deep dive. And she did uh, a collection called Shunga, which is like kind of calling back to erotic art. So it's not safe for work, but I will link it in the show notes. And it is really beautiful and really incredible. And she was really unapologetic about it. She's like, no, I'm not going to tone it down. It's not like it's art it's meant to be confronting it's meant to make you think but it is also really beautiful and all of her artwork is incredible her sculptures as well are just mm. wonderful so i recommend everybody go and have a look um and you know when you win the lottery buy a piece <laughs> or two and send one to me because i would love it amazing no, just kidding but yeah cute really good art just so beautiful and i love lucy Lu. she's great she is great so next week we'll be reading chapters 34 through 40 through the theme of observation mm. Yeah, it's gonna be good. Thank you so much for potting. Thank this you. Was fun. Yeah, such a good discussion. To hang out with you. I know it's always nice, um, and such great takes to work with as always. I know, and this was such a big, juicy set of chapters. I was really a lot to sink your teeth into. Yeah, so much to unpack, and yeah, just so much great character development. I cannot wait to keep going. I know. I love our blurbos. Amazing. All right. Well, I will see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. Marginalia Pod is written, edited, and produced by us, Gen D and Gen V. We'd love to hear from you. Send an email to hello at marginaliapod.com, check out our Instagram, or maybe dash off a quick review. You can also subscribe so you never miss an episode. Our music is by Scott Buckley, and the logo artwork is by Laura Cato. You can find detailed show notes for each episode and much more at our website www.marginaliapod.com. Special thanks to all the people in our various communities whose love and care sustains us. Without your support, we would be very sad little critters. We appreciate you. And to you, our wonderful listeners, thanks again for being here. We love spending this time with you. 